Most people know that Law Matters was created to open the lines of communication with law enforcement, as well as create educational opportunities so we can be better, more informed citizens. For the last several months, all the news stations have been promoting a negative mindset towards the entire law enforcement community. I agree that some of the recent events are beyond egregious. However, those events do not represent the vast majority of the brave men and women who risk their lives daily to keep the rest of us safe. I'm asking you to please, next time you see a member of law enforcement, show some appreciation and thank them for their service. Now, let's start the show. Thanks for joining Law Matters. I want to make a few announcements before I introduce our guests. I want everybody to save the date for October 16th. There's going to be a concert up in Oral Valley to support the memorial. And I think everybody should be there. It's free, but you can donate if you want to. Also, I want to remind people to nominate your favorite veteran. And we're going to, we're having a contest. We're going to honor them on Veterans Day. We're going to chauffeur them in the parade, give them a wonderful gift basket, and have them on the show on the 12th. So if you know a veteran that needs a little recognition, this is an opportunity. All the details are on our website. Our guest today is Tucson Police Chief, Chief Chad. Good morning. Is that what they call you? What do they call you? They probably call me a lot of things. Chief, (laughs) none of the names they call me are too exciting other than Chief. I think the the funniest title so far is actually my wife's name, who they now refer to as TPD's First Lady. I love that. Yeah, which is fitting because she she goes to a lot of uh, work and community events with me. That's awesome. That's amazing. Okay, we've got a lot to talk about because there's so much going on in Tucson. Um, I was driving on Prince Road yesterday when apparently there was a a shooting. And I don't know if you want to talk about that or not, but it it happened at one of the schools and some kids were mad and actually it happened at a Circle K, didn't it? It happened nearby. Turn on, yeah. You have to turn on his mic. Okay, you have to be right up next to the mic and it happened nearby, nearby a school. Yeah, it did. It happened uh, nearby the school. I mean, obviously, that area of uh, Prince and Oracle's right near um, one of our major high schools we have in the city. So, I mean, it, it did happen right near the school. The school was put on a brief lockdown. Um, but, you know, our, our troops on the, on the west side did a really good job of making sure that the, the school was safe and communicating with the school, letting them know what was going on. They were on it. Cause, like I said, I was driving by at the time, and there were squad cars everywhere, and everybody was taking, you know, a spot and doing what they needed to do. I was impressed. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, the our West Side divisions, uh, they're they're really good at communicating with uh, not only each other but um, with our community partners in that area to make sure that everybody's safe. You know, and they're knowing exactly what's going on in the area. Tell everybody your name so they know who they're talking to. Yeah, of course. Uh, my name is Sergeant <laughs> Richard Gerdias. I'm the Public Information Sergeant for the Tucson Police Department. And there you go. <laughs> okay. I, I'd like to jump in a little bit on that though because. Um, you know, that, that was one of 700 to 800 calls for service that the Tucson Police Department responds to uh, after our teammates and public safety communications department triages those calls. And one of the things that we've been working on and we're going to continue to work on is uh, doing a better job of telling our story, doing a better job of highlighting uh, the amazing work that our women and men do out there every day that you just don't hear about. And it's it's such a high volume of work. How do we do that? And, you know, so for me as the chief, that case highlights one, a peaceful resolution, you know, without any kind of lethal use of force. 
it highlights too uh, uh, the propensity for juveniles to be involved just like adults in uh, higher levels of force um, than we've seen in the past throughout the country uh, and, and also having access to firearms yeah that, that's an issue having access to firearms we've got we've got like in Cochise County they had I think he was seven years old mm-hmm. went to school that's first grade went to school with two handguns what's up with that why do parents allow these kids to have such easy access to these lethal weapons well we you know in my opinion uh, as a parent uh, and a father of two sons uh, and a, a chief of police with over you know two decades of experience here my opinion is we waste a lot of time in this country talking about gun control that's gotten us exactly nowhere so why don't we start talking about responsible gun ownership and that starts with having your firearms secured in houses and making sure that you know as a parent today when you when you when you go home you know or or you finish your coffee after listening to the show you know call three people that you know and say hey what do you think about safe you know safe gun ownership and what does that mean to you and what that means is keep your firearms secured so they're not accessible by your children uh, I just had that talk with our own, my own son. Uh, my my wife, when she was in junior high here in Tucson, uh, had a friend that was that was killed accidentally by kids playing around with firearms, and that's the story that we shared with our son. So, I want I want your listenership to know it's okay as a parent when your child is going to go spend the night somewhere to say, "Hey, um, do you by the way do you have guns?" And how do you secure those? And those are those are safe conversations. And if that parent's offended, then you don't want your you don't want your child at that house anyways. That's right. Absolutely, because, you know, there, it's a liability, and we've done shows on that, gun laws and the liability you have as an individual when you purchase a weapon. And seems like people just disregard that. Oh, I've got a gun. Well, okay. <laughs> How are you using it? What for? Sure. You know, it doesn't make sense to me. Should parents be held liable when their kids do something like that? <laughs> I think, like I think parents, yeah, I, I certainly think when parents are reckless with their, with the ownership of a firearm, and that also means, uh, by the way, don't leave it in your car because over 800 guns are stolen out of cars every year in this town. So safe gun ownership is, you know, if you want to do that, they now make safes that can be installed in vehicles. So you can make it difficult, but I would, I would encourage you as a chief not to do that, to, to keep your firearm with you. I would encourage you, if you own a firearm, to go to train. Um, we train a lot with firearms, and we still have occasional accidents, uh, accidental discharges. So it's, it's uh, the, the, the potential for someone else to get hurt in the house with that firearm, if, it, if you have one for safety, is, is still high. So take that responsibility serious. And as a parent, I, I absolutely think they should be, uh, there should be more accountability to parents. And... But I also think there should be more accountability for juveniles as well. And, and, and that kind of, we could we can tr- transition a little bit over to broader conversations about juvenile accountability. There's a lot of conversations about even, let's say, school resource officers being pulled out of schools in the last five years in this country. And, you know, we, we, we certainly, I think I can speak for all of my 11 public safety partners in this region, no SRO program here locally is built around pipelining kids uh, uh, in, into incarceration or into jail. But what we also have to recognize is sometimes an arrest is leveraging a young person into treatment to maybe get support services that they're not getting. And so, again, we, you know, we, we like, you know, that's, you know, one of my, my frustrations and, and things I've been trying to dissect when we talk about low jail population or we talk about pipelining kids into incarceration. Those are really complex topics that we could spend an hour on each one and they're not uh, a, a clip on, on a, 
in a, in a normal me- media platform is not going to cover the complexities of those conversations. What about because and I, I know this happened because a friend of mine worked at one of the schools in town. He's no longer with us, but he called me one day and said, we just sent the sheriff over to this house because a sophomore in high school had been buying weapons online and he had a, a stockpile of weapons under his bed. And the sheriff went over there and confiscated all his weapons. I don't know, you know, the the whole story of what mm-hmm. happened, but it's like he's a sophomore buying weapons online. Yeah. I, and I, your parents don't know? Again, I think that, right. So, great, great question. And, you know, we spend a lot of time in this country looking at the aftermath or critical response of public safety, be it 911 or, or police specifically, and even sometimes our fire partners. We don't spend enough time talking about the front end. We don't spend enough time talking about how could have this situation been prevented. Mm-hmm. And, you know, first that starts with having engaged parents. Uh, and it's tough right now. It's tough with the economy we're in and parents are working two jobs or maybe children are being raised uh, with without a parent or by a grandparent who doesn't have the energy or bandwidth to, you know, to, uh, to do that. I'll tell you, these phones, blessing and a curse, right? They're exactly. a com- computer in the hands of kids. There's so many apps. Uh, it makes it difficult for public safety uh, policing specifically to monitor all those, but we are doing a better job again across the country of where um, different social media like TikTok, like Snapchat, uh, are have better better uh, search engines, and they're notifying the, our federal partners when we're seeing one of those threats come across, and then that complaint comes through the FBI to your local law enforcement. We're collectively working those things together in that's, a lens of prevention. That's great. I'm glad to hear that. I want to talk about something that happened this past week. We had a constable. I'd like to give some recognition to her her great work and send our prayers and thoughts to her family. That was horrible. It was. I, You know, Deborah's um, t- tragic, tragic death, and uh, along with two other community members who also perished that day before the suspect took his own life, um, absolutely, absolutely tragic. And I think... Um, like when I spoke to her parents and her family um, after her death, what I told them is, you know, they'll, they'll, there will be, we can cover the complexities of, of peeling back the onion to figure out how that happened that day, right? There's, there's a criminal investigation that the Tucson Police Department's running point on, and then there's an administrative review that Sheriff Nanos and his team will lead. And then what I'm hoping is we'll do something even above and beyond that called a Sentinel event review. Uh, so there's a lot of layers of review, but I think what it highlights is, you know, we often think of constable work of, of, of these heartless people sometimes that just go and evict people. And that certainly wasn't Deborah. And she did it with the lens and a heart of, of, of leading with compassion and recognizing that people were maybe at the hardest points of their life. And again, in a, in a really, uh, challenging environment right now where you can't go to the store and you, you leave with a $50 bill and you, you're carrying out one bag. Yeah. Uh, that's a, that's a tough environment. And I think that's the way that she did her job, but you know, one of the things that we owe her family and, and uh, her daughter, uh, specifically Ryan, is understanding h- how that day happened, what we knew about the suspect, um, everything from what we know about, you know, the TPD response to that. What do we know about that position? You know, who governs that position? Yeah, who, who trains does? that position? Who you does? Know? Well, I don't. Right. Well, I so don't we're going to get into all of that. <laughs> and, and, and I assure Tucson that, you know, the, the facts of that won't change. The biggest thing was to support um, uh, Deborah's family and celebrate her life and, and um, you know, through through that tragic loss. 
but during that time, there is heavy work that's going on behind the scenes to really fully understand what happened that day. And Richard and I were talking before you got here, and, and I don't think people really understand or realize just how much work in the ripple effect from events like this. And there's a lot of work from not just one agency, but several agencies get involved to try to, you know, solve the problem or figure out how to prevent this from happening again. But the ripple effect, all those families are affected. They are. And this, this, this review will highlight the complexities of several different bodies of government that have to work together to fully understand what happened. And I want to give Sheriff Nanos and Chief Kerry Riley up in Oro Valley uh, credit when we launched our Pima Regional Critical Incident Team uh, back in uh, March of this year. And we've really expanded the concept of that. And just so if your listenership hasn't heard of that again before, it's, it's the 11 regional public safety partners coming together and saying, hey, if we have an officer-involved shooting or a critical incident, let's not investigate our own uh, lethal use of force or our own critical incident. And so what that means is for our officer-involved shootings this year, the, the sheriff's department's run point on that investigation. That means it's a full regional response. Right. Every organization in this region, and, and we should be proud of that. We are the only one in the state of Arizona, and I you know, I, I just got back from a trip to Washington, D.C. I traveled the country for this position, and I'm unaware of any other local uh, uh, effort at a, at a different state level where we're doing we're doing that. So while there was legislative change this last cycle that will mandate that in the next five years, we're going to be five years into this. We are certainly there's other organizations in this state that are watching what we're doing and modeling their efforts. So you know, kudos to our two local leaders. But we've expanded that concept to also active killer active killer situations at a, at a broad scale within the community or at our schools. And we'll talk about that a little bit later today because we're having one of those trainings. But the idea is, are we as prepared as we want to be? Because yeah. we have 11 different public safety agencies, not including our federal partners here in Tucson. And we have 17 different school districts. That's a lot. That's a lot. And everybody's got different policy. Everybody's got different procedures. So our, you know, the question is, and when the sheriff and I met with our 17 different uh, superintendents is, are we as ready as we want to be? You know, you know, when, not if, when, because we're just seeing these trends across the country, that's the mindset we have to have. When something like this happens in our community, are we ready? And again, as a father uh, and a chief of police and a, and a community leader, uh, I want to be able to look everybody in the eye um, if something like that happens in our community and say we were as organized as possible, we were as trained as possible, we were as equipped as possible. Uh, and we were ready for that day. You know, obviously, I want to say we prevented that day. That's mm-hmm. the best thing. Yeah. Uh, but we also have to prepare for the event that it happens. And, you know, it's it's one of those situations where, and especially with the active shooter situations, the public needs to start training themselves as well. And that's why we're doing the event this afternoon or this morning. <laughs> Excuse me. You'll be late if you get there this afternoon. You'll miss the whole thing. Um, people need to walk around and in their head they have to have a plan you have to figure out you know if something if you're in a mall how do i get out of here if something happens if you're in a theater where's another exit other than the one i just walked into you have to have a plan and yeah you know people people need to start thinking that way great point and i would just say I, i think there's some level of being desensitized from the games that our children play and the movies that we watch and uh, it, thinking that, you know, sophisticated crimes can be solved in an hour. Yeah. Uh, I wish that was the case. We have some really talented, dedicated um, uh, 
TPD team members that work for this community, but things don't get solved in an hour. And what I would tell you is we had an officer involved shooting in broad daylight this year. When did uh, that happen? Uh, that was early early this year off of Speedway and Kolb on a Sunday afternoon. It was a, a theft that turned into a robbery, that turned into a response, it turned into an, an active gun battle with the suspect. We had community members just driving right on by, not paying attention. We had one community member recorded on their on their phone. This is this is not a game. These bullets, you know, whether it's from a, a, a handgun or a rifle, it only takes one. You know, it only takes one um, to to injure you. We we did have a community member caught up in that, and she knew what was going on. She had her child in the car, and inadvertently passed cross paths with the suspect who did shoot at that vehicle as well. So I just, you know. Put your phone in your car. You know, you've heard me say that before. This community's heard me say that. So when you're going to work, s- start your Spotify or Pandora or whatever, you know, motivational f- podcast you want to listen to. And put it in your glove box and drive to work and pay attention to what's going on around you. Yeah. Uh, and and, and I, I pass kids going to school every day, and guess what they're doing? They're on their phone. Their head's down. They're on yeah. their phone. You know, we've had over 25 pedestrian fatalities in this town this year. So parents, model behavior you want your kids to follow. And I'm just as guilty sometimes. Sometimes I want to touch my phone when it goes off and I'm driving and I think, okay, I'm modeling behavior for my 12-year-old that's in the truck with me. Yeah. And so uh, we can all do better. We can all be a little bit more engaged in the moment. But we also have a responsibility call to action, again, in a lens of prevention, public safety, your police departments, uh, your federal partners. We cannot do this on our own. So it, it does, you know, be aware. And so when you're seeing something, you know, see something, say something. If something is just not right, there's, you know, somebody's being suspicious and, and you think, you know, there's just something wrong here. It's a neighbor that you, you see things escalating, you know, call us before it's an emergency. And we're having that same message with our school superintendents is look at your partnership with your public safety partners through a lens of prevention. We are experts. We've, we've, we've been out from, you know, after five o'clock at night and before nine o'clock in the morning when a lot of social service providers are not there. Yeah. We've been there for decades. And guess what we have? A lot of experience to draw from. And so we are an expert in the in the field of mental health and prevention. And, you know, we need to start thinking and pivoting from the last five years of just being critical of public safety to how do we better partner as a community. What do you think? We had a couple of weeks ago, we did a show on um, bail reform and we had a man from Texas call in. We had somebody from New York call in saying, you know, people are just leaving people out of jail because they can't afford the bail. And they're going out and committing more crimes while they, you know, stacking up more court dates while they wait for the first one. How do you feel about bail reform and what has it done in, in Pima County? So it, it's um, it's important, you know, systems. Um, I, I, I want to get away from words like reform and transform, yeah, no, right? right? <laughs> I think the better word is let's evaluate how our bail process is working, right? Let's evaluate how your police department is, is working. You don't, you don't go buy a reformed iPhone, right? You, you buy a, something that's progressed. It's a better phone, a better platform that meets the future needs of what you're doing. Right. That's when it comes to our criminal justice system. That's been, you know, one of the most important parts of, of my role as chief is to, again, dissect the complexities of the conversation. Because for far too long, your police departments, whether it's, you know, any one of again the eleven in this public in this in this region, the Pima County region, metro region, is is recognizing we're only one part of the system. We have a public defender. We have a, a, a Pima County attorney's office. We have pretrial judges. 
we have other judges, you know, a lot of judges. We have a, a, a city court system, justice court system, right? All these different systems. How do they all work? So if I ask, if, if I ask, you're sitting in your car, you're sitting at home right now, and I asked you a quiz about five different questions about how all the systems work, most of our community could not explain that, that works, right? Yeah. And so, yes, I as a chief, and I'm even working with the NAACP right now on, on uh, in the sheriff as well, supporting um, uh, bail reform, a proposition that they're working on for this next legislative cycle. But the idea of bill reform could be as simple as, does somebody have the financial means to, A, um, get out of jail if they shouldn't be incarcerated for whatever the offense was? Something petty. Right. And But it could also, it, it also is as complex as looking at prior offenses. And I can tell you right now, I am tracking uh, every time that we have a violent crime and we identify the suspect, I'm asking my staff, Tell me more. Tell me more about the history because I want to know. I want to be able to hold the other parts of, of the system accountable like we've held police accountable. And that means everybody I just said. And yeah, we, we need to that. understand how their decisions are contributing to less safe communities. Or when we have an outcome and a non-blame and, and you know, a Sentinel event review, um, you know, the community I think here knows that, that we participate with those or lead those as a policing organization. The idea behind it is you're looking at process to not blame, but how do you how do you change a process or a procedure or a system so you prevent an, a bad outcome from occurring? And so again, yes, I'm a supporter of of bail uh, bail reform. I'm a, it's just bail evolution. It's recognizing is this system meeting our needs? And sometimes it's totally appropriate. My wife was uh, uh, shopping, looking for a U of A tank top for later tonight. Support our uh, our Wildcats. Bear down. And um, I, uh, she was at a store. Uh, I won't say which store, but uh, uh, we shop in the Oracle Wetmore Corridor. And somebody, it, not unusual, shoplifted right in front of her and my, and my 12-year-old and ran out right past the security guard. Yeah. And, and there's a lot of that right now. And so, you know, if, if we've caught a repeat shoplifter, well, it might not seem like a big deal, but the third or fourth time, we have businesses closing in this town because shoplifters aren't being held accountable. That's right. And yes, do I understand that shoplifters are probably stealing to fund their their drug addiction or there's some mental health stuff going on? I certainly do. So, But what I also don't support is a world where you can walk into a store and just take something without paying for it. And, and, and so that might, you know, that misdemeanor crime might might be someone who needs to be in jail but that's a that's a complex conversation until they're ready to receive wraparound services and modify their behavior and yeah, no, that's a problem too because a lot of them aren't willing to do that so once what my my intent is once somebody has has failed to recognize they need help or or be welcoming of the services that we're providing then jail becomes and incarceration becomes an option and so those are the questions that you have to ta- have and 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 you know Where's, you know, where are our public defenders on that? Where's Laura Conover on that? Where's, you know, our, our city court prosecutors and, and our defense team there? So we just have to continue to recognize all of these systems right now who are all short-staffed, by the way. We're all still That's trying to figure out how to do our jobs in a, in a post-pandemic environment, in a great resignation environment. But, you know, I always say there's opportunity within crisis. And so right now, we you know, what I'm seeing here is, uh, there, there is. Not, of course, I'm, I'm not a patient person. That's why I'm the chief. I want things done now. <laughs> yesterday, <laughs> uh, yesterday would be great. Uh, uh, but you know, those I, I'm seeing more interest uh, in the system leaders in communicating and better understanding how their role is impacting our overall Tucson community safety. 
I had uh, the chief of police from Sierra Vista on a while back, two or three weeks ago, and he was talking about a program, a voucher program, that they put to use down in, in Sierra Vista. They actually learned about it from somebody in Flagstaff, and they said they, they give these people a voucher. It has a monetary value where they can go in and get what they need from the store, and then the vouchers are turned in, and we're going to find out more about that. Is this voucher program something that you might consider for Tucson? I'm actually looking at a voucher program for um, traffic equipment repairs. And, you know, you, so if you've, 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 everybody probably knows you've seen motors back out. They're back. Uh, you know, we're down to 18, but we're, we're recruiting more. Um, not, not every new officer is excited about putting a leg over a motorcycle and riding in this town. Oh, I was going to say, you need to tell us what motors mean. Yeah, traffic enforcement. <laughs> it, it can be anything from a solo motor, a motor officer that you see out on a motorcycle. It could be an unmarked vehicle, which we have in our communities, and it could be our DUI unit or a traffic investigation. So okay. traffic safety is a really important to me. Huge. I was a motor officer back in the day. They are a contributor to safe roads, not, not a sole factor. In. Did um, you ride a motorcycle? Absolutely. Did you have those badass boots? I sure did. Okay. Yeah, and I rode the Kawasaki, so one of my favorite things to do is to, to sing the chip song on my way into work. <laughs> um, and, you know, everybody who hasn't had a pair of those boots makes fun of them within the department, but I'm pretty sure it's just because they're jealous. Jealous, absolutely. Um, I did, you know, a little funny story, though. Nobody, you know, rookie move here. Nobody told me you needed a, a boot horn to get them off at the end of the day. So, you know, the first time I wore them all day, it took three of us when I got home to, to get them off my feet. <laughs> um, but all joking aside, um, one of the reasons I brought back, um, you know, tra- traffic motors was they play a key role. You know, there, there's a lot of conversation around, well, does, um, does the data support, you know, you hear that a lot, does the data. And we're all trying, embracing, making evidence-based decisions as chiefs because you just have to. You have to know what you're doing and why you're doing it and is it working. But here's here's what I know, here's what I know about motors. When a motor officer is behind you or a or a police or a police car is behind you and you're driving, what do you do? You slow down. You slow down and you pay attention. <laughs> so at that moment in a time, wherever, you know, folks are driving around police cars, you pay attention, right? And and you're putting your phone down and you're you're obeying by those laws. And then when you pull over and somebody's on a traffic stop, your 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 behavior is modified while you're in that immediate area. Um, what I'm encouraging is our entire department to recognize traffic safety in this town. All of my staff works out on these streets, right? And we have a collective responsibility to have the stop, have the conversation. I have not asked them to write tickets. I'm not interested in creating revenue. Uh, I'm interested in modifying behavior and having safer streets. Uh, and sometimes that means uh, pedestrian enforcement. Again, over 25 pedestrian fatalities. That's unacceptable. We have That's a lot of jaywalking huge. that goes on in this town. And our roads were designed many, many years ago uh, to get volumes of traffic across town. And they and didn't think about the pedestrians it, right. then. <laughs> so, you know, again, kudos to the community for passing Prop 111. And 20% of that's going to be for safer streets. That means more bike lanes, more, more sidewalks, more lights. You know, there's lighting technology now that we can use that light up our streets and don't doesn't impact our, our dark our dark, dark skies for our U of A partners. Very cool. That's good. Yeah. Glad to hear it. Yeah, I saw a motorcycle uh, officer pull somebody over, and I thought, wow, I hadn't seen that in a while. Well, I'll tell you, as soon as I can get my hands wrapped around a few more things, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm going to go out with the guys and get recertified. So um, i gotta, I got to earn my gold, my gold wings. I only have silver ones. He's going to be on a motorcycle pulling people over. I can see it now. Well, you know, I, I was <laughs> participating with traffic enforcement. Uh, unfortunately, uh, one of our SWAT vehicles was wrecked, and I, had to, I gave up my, 
my unmarked silver police Tahoe to my to our SWAT team members. So I have a different vehicle right now, and my lights are on order. So you know, people are safe from getting pulled over from the chief right now. But I do look forward to getting my light. You can wave back. to them out the window. Yeah, I you know I I used to do one or two stops a week when I had my lights, and I you know it was just a, a fun opportunity for me to engage and educate the community. Like, hey, your 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 safety matters, and our safety matters. So I need you to slow down. I need you to put the phone away. And oh, by the way, now you can tell your you know your coworkers and family today you got pulled over by the chief of police. There you go. You know what I've seen lately, or like the last six months, red light runners just you hold your breath i swear it's just before when the light turns green it just takes less than a second to look both ways great point great point couldn't agree more uh whether you're on a motorcycle or a vehicle or you've got young or walking young adults that are going to be driving here soon educate them green doesn't mean go uh yellow doesn't mean floor it right yellow <laughs> yeah, means stop. Right. stop and green <laughs> means look left look right and then proceed and then you know we still have i had a close uh close friend lose a, a very young person in their family from a, a left turn uh, in a left turn violation is where somebody makes a left turn in front of oncoming traffic who tends to have the right of way two vehicles collision normally not a, a fatal type encounter but when it involves a motorcycle like it did in this situation it resulted in the death of a very young uh, uh and with a lot of life left in front of him so um have the you know the even if even if you're not held criminally responsible or civilly responsible, you know, no one wants to be involved in a collision that results in the death of another human being. So Absolutely. again, call to action, community safety is everybody's responsibility. Have the talk, take, you know, have the talk at dinner tonight, have the talk, you know, we're, there are going to be a lot of, a lot of gatherings tonight for the U of A game. There is absolutely no reason in 2022 with Lyft and Uber uh, to drive intoxicated in this town. That's right. Period. That's right. Absolutely. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be back in a few. If you live in the area of 2500 East Menor and have security camera footage from November 30th, 2021, between 10 p.m. and 12 a.m., you might have information needed to solve a murder. Use 88 Crime to upload your videos and stay anonymous. Si usted vive en la área de 2500 Este de la Menor, y tienes cámaras de seguridad del 30 de noviembre de 2021 entre las 10 de la tarde y 12 de la mañana. Es posible que tengas información necesario para resolver un homicidio. Visita la página 88crime.org para subir sus videos y permanecer anónimo. This is Deputy Chuk with Pima County Search and Rescue, reminding you that infants and toddlers do not experience heat as adults do. Consider this when bringing your young ones on a hike in temperatures of over 80 degrees. You do not want to risk that child having heat stroke or being arrested for child endangerment. This is Colleen, a volunteer with Pima County Search and Rescue. If you are hiking with children and pets, you need to carry the extra supplies they can't. Remember, one quart of water per person per hour, and when it's half gone, turn around and start down. Every Saturday morning at 8, Law Matters brings you law enforcement. On our next show, we talk with the Field Director of U.S. Customs and Border Protection. Hi, this is Sherry, reminding you to nominate your favorite veteran for a fabulous gift basket, chauffeured in the Veterans Day Parade, and honored on our November 12th show. All the contest details are on the lawmatters1030.org website. Law Matters podcast can be found on iTunes, Google Play, and lawmatters1030.org. Thanks for staying with us. Our guests today are Tucson Police Chief Kazmar 
And Richard's here with us, making sure we, we do it right. What do you want to talk about now, Chief? Let's, let's, uh, let's jump back into, you know, firearms in Tucson, because it is not unusual, even on you know, one of the traffic stops on New Year's Eve that I, per- I was participating with the traffic and DUI enforcement effort. And what, I think my eighth or ninth traffic stop, I, I pulled over a young adult with a, with a loaded gun on their lap. Um, Mrs. Casmore was not happy about that call when I dined myself out, you know, when I, when I went home, but it was good for me because it, it just, it just highlighted, you know, what my team members do every day. every day and a traffic stop can be such a simple thing, but it can become, it's, it's completely unpredictable. You just don't know what you're going to get. But, you know, you know, we've, uh, in the last 30 days, we've had a lot going on. We had the triple murder. We had the same day we had an officer involved shooting down South where we were, we were attempting to apprehend an armed bank robber, uh, a multi-time felon, a violent felon, um, that resulted in a, in a, in a critical incident response and officer involved shooting. But last Tuesday, we also had uh, the community call in when a, when a uh, community member walked into a convenience store with an AR-15 rifle, and which is not appropriate. You know, it's just, you know, again, like not getting sucked into the politics of gun ownership of, in today's day and age with active shooters, that's great if you own a, an assault rifle, but leave it in your truck, leave it in your car. You don't need to walk into a Circle K with it. But what happened here was a, a, a police commander in that geographic area then um, inadvertently had contact with this with this vehicle, who then the suspect pointed that rifle, no, because of the uh, the commander was in a, in a in a uniform. Now that didn't result in a in a in a lethal use of force exchange, so you, you probably didn't hear about it. But it did result in us locating and ultimately apprehending the individual who did that. And I'm proud to say this is you know this is a case where the system worked and the individual is being held on a fifty thousand dollar bond. So kudos to our our systems partners. This isn't always about the system not working, right? It's it's about celebrating when it does work as well. Exactly. But you know that just highlights. Um, the, the volatility of, of what we ask from our first responders um, every day. If you, you know, right after we had the tragic um, mur- mur- triple murder here in Tucson with the constable, with Deborah, with constable, we, you know, there was two or three days later, we had the incident up in Phoenix where we had another young adult in their early 20s, similar age of our suspect. Won't say their names because I'm not going to give, you know, credit to, to, to people who do these kind of acts. And I think that's part of what drives this this behavior is this social recognition. media recognition, yeah. but um, you know the, the the almost the entire situation was caught up on on camera in Phoenix, where this heavily armored. I mean, I just watched that video this morning. My wife and I were having coffee, and um, he he looks like a SWAT team member with a gas mask, a helmet, full body armor, assault rifle, multiple magazines, minus the Molotov cocktail. We don't use those. Um, and multiple flashbangs. But he walks out and just starts, you know, over 200 rounds were shot. Over oh 200 God. rounds. And, you know, these, you know, that what I, I highlight these things, to, you know, there's a lot of conversation about how expensive police departments are. We are expensive, unapologetically expensive. You know, we, we, we didn't create the rules of engagement, we're, but, but, but our community and our elected officials across the country need to fund the police department. So there's, we are equipping our young human beings to do the job we're asking them to do. A handgun is, is not a, a fair platform when you're coming across somebody with an assault rifle has full, full ballistic gear on. Uh, yeah, you can't expect people to go out there and, you know, 
handle a situation when the bad guys have better equipment than right. the good guys. And we're facing that here locally and we're facing yes. that across the country. And so it's a little bit of call to action where, again, it's, it's, it's not about militarizing your police department, but it's recognizing the Uvalde situation and the kind of firepower that they were going up against. So if we, if yeah. we expect, you know, my question to, the, to com- our community and communities across the country is, does the funding of the police department equal the expectations of the community and the elected officials that lead that organization? Good point. That's the question. Excellent show me point. your budget. I'll show you your priorities. Yeah. Right. And so um, I'm still in, you know, and, and I, I absolutely feel supported by uh, mayor and council and, and city manager, but it's an ongoing dialogue about me telling my story with them so they better understand what our needs are. Uh, in today's day and age in, uh, in policing, I need the community to respond. Calls for service when you call 911 is a big part of what we do. It's one of our primary core services. But we don't fix our crime problems by responding to something that's already occurred. Yes. Right? And true. so that's where we start talking about things like evidence-based um, uh, policing decisions and really understanding and really pinpointing um, why we're having a problem in, th- in a community like we are through place network investigations and identifying specific areas and specific people that then get the police department's attention. So, you know, that's in the spirit of not going into a neighborhood and just with a broad net and sweeping everybody in. And, and, but that requires technology. It requires people. Uh, and it requires investment of other systems, which we're seeing come together in place network investigations. And we need to hold people accountable for their bad actions. Actions have reactions. And we need to hold people accountable when they do something wrong, even if they're seven years old. I, I agree. I think the entire system from the offender to the victims to um, all the way through all of the stakeholders uh, involved and related to this process, you know, we all own a little piece of the world that we're living in. And, you know, silent majority has to wake up, pay attention and have a voice. Yes. And guess what you get to do? You get to vote. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, uh, my mayor and council gets to vote every day, whether or not that they want me to continue to serve. I serve at their at their will. But your elected officials, uh, including your judges, uh, are up on an election cycle. So we so that's where I want to do a better job of of I'm a, I want all the other system players to be as accountable as I have to be to this community. I heard on the news, this, I think it was this morning. There's a judge that stopped a bill from uh, being enacted regarding people not being allowed to videotape law enforcement doing their job. They had to be at least eight feet away. And somebody said that, well, that denies the citizen or whoever's videotaping their civil rights. And I'm like, you're denying this officer. You know, he doesn't know who you are or she doesn't know who you are. And you could be a bad guy. Now you're impeding his job. How do you feel about this? It's it's a again it's a really delicate balance. What you're referring to is a bill that that went through this last legislative cycle that was, um, and 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 again, if you don't know how the legislative cycle works, I would encourage you to read more about it. Yes, and and, and it's a really complex process which I've been involved with before. But that bill highlighted uh, a good intent with not enough um, uh, engagement with with you know state police leadership to create a bill that was actually usable and enforceable. So when that bill came out again I I applaud the legislator who put it through in the attempt to support public safety and create safe spaces for us to do our jobs. 
but immediately upon its passing, most of us recognized that it wouldn't be a usable thing, and now it's being it's being challenged, uh, um, legally challenged. What I would tell you is because we had this situation is we. We have policies and rules and laws that provide um, a, a safe for us to have community be at a safe distance. It, it's reasonable. It's really a reasonableness. And in its situation dependent, I'll tell you, we had a, uh, an officer of all shooting a few weeks ago that will be coming. We'll, we'll release that video, we, we hope, towards the end of this week. Uh, and what it will highlight is the fact that uh, an uncooperative crowd would not get back so we could provide render aid, which, which we do a great job of. When we deploy lethal force, I am, I'm, I, I am, I'm amazed and so proud of that we immediately shift over to providing rent, life-saving care once we make that scene safe. And we couldn't this case because people wouldn't get back. Yeah. People wanted to record that. And so that's a conversation I am even have. If somebody wants to record a traffic stop, they have a constitutional right, they can walk into our police stations. But on a, on a high-risk scene like that where we don't know who has the guns and my officers are outnumbered three to a hundred, um, then, then we get to be less tolerant of people not creating safe space. So that's an ongoing conversation we're having in the department. I think that's a, that's a great way to put it to safe space because right. you, you don't know who the bad guys are, who the good guys are, and you're trying to do your job. We welcome that in, in Tucson. If you, we, we, everybody has all of, our, all of our patrol resources have body more cameras. So the entire situation is on camera already. I want the community to know that. One. Yeah. Two. <laughs> we don't need I yours. <laughs> I'm not, uh, it's not okay for you to be five feet behind the officer while an officer is trying to uh, affect a traffic um, a stop or engagement or affect an arrest. That's too close. It's reasonable. Your phones have... Zoom, you know, it's situation dependent. So I can't say it's 10 feet, it's 12 feet, but it's, it's situation dependent and put yourself in a position where the, you're not dividing the officer's attention. Because and we, putting yourself yeah, in harm's well, way. Well, I'll tell you what, you know, I, you know, watched another traffic stop. Um, I, I try to learn as much as I can through others' experiences. And if somebody gets out of a car and starts firing at the officer and you're standing behind that person, you are absolutely putting yourself in harm's way. Yes. That's, think about that before you do it think about it what about recruiting who do we have what yes. are we doing <laughs> we're we're uh call to action for the community join tucson pd.org uh, join tucson pd.org we're uh we're hiring and we're hiring for our january class right now it's a great time of the year to go through academy it's a much smarter move than when i went through the august of 2000 academy <laughs> um and uh so all joking aside it it, it 22 years into this job, uh, it, I'm, I'm so proud of our profession and, and the evolution of where we're headed um, and, and, and weathering the criticism to continuing to do the job and keep, keep our community safe and learning to, to be better and more responsive to what the community wants. So we want you to be part of our team. It, it, this is not just for people who have always dreamed about being in the military or police department. You know, if you have a young adult uh, in, in your house, the majority of the work that we do is provide social services and support. Uh, amazing job. Four day, four tens. Uh, you're going to make, you know, you're probably never going to make less than $60,000 a year. Great benefits. We start you out at 55 K medical dental, uh, 11 paid holidays, six weeks of parental leave. I didn't get that when I was a, a young parent. I, I didn't that's get amazing. that either. And that means fathers. Did you get it? I did not get that. No, and it means so. That means fathers. If you have a, a you know, a, a, your your partner has a baby, you get that six weeks of parental leave to be home with your family. Uh, we have tuition payback. Tuition is outrageous. I can tell you because I have a a freshman in college. <laughs> it's shockingly expensive. 
Um, and so all these great things are possible. The, the Again, join TucsonPD.com. Our well, let's go process. back to the tuition thing. So they can join the department. Do they get college credit for being on the department? Yeah. For going through the well, training? Well, I'm, I'm going to let Richard jump in, and, and everybody's okay, been having to listen to me. Yeah, I'll jump in on this one. And the only reason why I want to jump in on this one is because I recently, within the last year, graduated from GCU with my bachelor's. And the only reason I was able to do that was because of this program. So during the last, it took me about two years. Um, I used my credits that I got from the academy. Uh, went to GCU. Um, they let me know exactly what I was able to transfer and what I was able to do. I'm sitting with my bachelor's right now in uh, public safety and emergency management. And now on top of that, too, we also have a program with the city where it's uh, uh, loan forgiveness. So they're now they're helping me pay back my loan on top of giving me the tuition reimbursement. So wow. I am getting my degree completely paid for. Are you going for your master's? We're going to see where we're at right now. And then your PhD? We'll see where the master's is at right now. (laughs) We're we're a little busy right now in the city, so as soon as I can get some downtime, it's it's definitely an option there. But, I mean, this is a great program. It was a super great incentive, and not only did it help me um, in my career and further my career, it also set a good example for my young kids to show that working a full-time job, I was still able to get out there and get a degree. And, like I said, I mean, it's thanks to the city and thanks to the department. I mean, otherwise, I, I probably would have had it. Yeah, my going to college, my son and I, he'd be doing his homework. I'd be doing my homework, too, you know, sitting at the kitchen table doing homework. <laughs> so it, 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 it just highlights, you know, the city of Tucson, again, we don't do a good enough job of telling our story, story of what a great employer we are. You said something else that piqued my interest. You said four tens. Yes, that means four 10-hour shifts. That means you get three days off a week. I mean, how cool Every is that? Every week. Yeah. Every week. And, you know, when Christmas comes around and, and you want a little extra pay or you want to, you know, pay a credit card bill down, um, you notice I didn't say pay for that big truck or that big boat, uh, <laughs> which, you know, I did when I was young. But, you know, yeah, it's it's just an opportunity when, you know, emergencies arise, you have that opportunity to work even special duty and off duty. We have great assignments, you know, you but by the time you're done with your training program, you spend about another year and a half in patrol where then you have opportunity to do a lot of really cool things, bike unit, SAM unit detective work, SWAT team, hostage. Now, did you have to buy your own boots for the motorcycle thing, or do, are no, they those, issued? Those, those come issued. Hey, I, I would do it just for the boots. I'm telling you, I'm telling you. And yeah, so mo- right, motors, great job. But that, our job, app, or the, the hiring process, we call it a POR, police officer recruit process, is open through September 19th. Again, it's jointucsonpd.com. And I'm going to do a little bit of a call to action here. Tucson, I need your help. Uh, we are we have such an amazing police department, and I'm 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 just honored and humbled every day I get to to work with the and lead the men and women that I do. But we need your help. We need to we need great people to work next to, and so I'm going to ask everybody who's listening today to to go to that link and 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 post it on all of your social your personal social media platforms and say, hey, the chief needs our help because I do need your help, and and that's the call to action today. Yeah, and you know I love it when I hear people complain. You know, be part of the solution. Join the department. The, the best way, you know, I absolutely believe that. I read a study recently that uh, our, our new employees, when they're graduating from high school and college, are trying to, you know, typically stay within 100 miles of that geographic area. And we are absolutely working to build relationships with our local school districts to pipeline our community. We want our community to stay local. And I'm even working with the U of A, you know, to target their athletes and and out-of-town college kids. Like, Tucson is a great place to live, work, and play. Mm -hmm. 
So let's let's keep folks here, and the, and it's not just a plug for the police department, for police officers and community resource, you know, community safety officers. And right now we have a job open for high level analyst analytical work. We're hiring really smart people to help us identify trends and patterns, so we can then go out and do our job really with an emphasis of putting the right work in the right hands. So. Um, just a really amazing employer. Uh, I know our 911, our emergency communication workers are always hiring as well. That's another great field that we can hire both, you know, the police department, uh, public safety communications department, and the fire department. We have jobs for 18-year-olds. We, we, we can and will employ uh, your young adult when they graduate this May locally. We want to be their employer. And you also have... Um youth program what's it called explorer we do and we're 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 revamping that because you know i want to see you know it's a it's a great program uh i what i'd like to see that evolve into is a couple different phases for a couple different age groups but we absolutely have a police explorer program which is a great way for kids to try it before you buy it exactly and and we can keep them busy during the summer parents they're they're Uh, busy they're not getting in trouble absolutely yeah it makes sense but yeah i didn't realize about the tuition and, you know, a three-day weekend every week, hey, yeah, can't beat that. Right. Oh. And, you know, the Academy even, and a lot of people have trepidation about the Academy. We, we celebrate an adult learning um, environment. Do we put you under pressure? Absolutely. But we're smarter about the way that we do it now. If you're not as fit as you need to be by the time you graduate, we no longer exclude you at the front end of the process. What we'll do is, you know, ideally, yes, you come into the Academy with a certain level of fitness so that's not a struggle for you but if you're just not there and you need a little help we hire folks now that we put into the academy and we put them on personalized training plans so that when the four-month basic academy is done they can meet all of the minimum requirements set by arizona post so we're we're not lowering our our, you know there's some speculation like our police departments in the country lowering their standard right now absolutely not the job is just too important uh and but we're being smarter about how we pipeline folks into our in our into our academies and, you know, there's so much information online about, you know, what is required for different specific jobs, especially, you know, the 911 answer, the call center. Call taker, yep. Go online, figure out what the requirements are, practice, study, do what you need to do so that you do qualify for that job if that's what you want to do. Absolutely. Come spend the day with us. And whether that's, again, it's on a police ride-along or it's going and sitting in our emergency communications shop or going out with the fire department, we'll I, take you out with us. I want to go on a helicopter ride-along. You know, you, you <laughs> and you everybody else. Silence? Like, you know, it, it's... Uh, <laughs> It's actually we we don't do um, we don't typically do ride-alongs with air support unit and uh, one of the challenges that we have during the summer is actually they have to adjust their the fuel uh, in the airship based because upon, of the heat correct yeah, yeah. It, it's not a fun uh, again it goes back to really recognizing the work that gets done there's no air conditioning in helicopters so uh, the work that they do during the summer to keep our field resources safe is commendable you know I don't think people realize that because oh there's a helicopter you know search and rescue they've got the it, like no, no you're not, not flying that, united not, yeah that's for it's sure. not that much fun they don't yeah. have a stewardess that brings you they, coffee they sure don't they sure don't <laughs> so well what else do you have planned for the future well i mean let's talk about later this morning active shooter training yeah we have a couple things going on this morning uh, i want to give uh, credit first let's talk about yeah the active killer response training at 1200 west speedway at the arizona school deaf and blind this is a, a collective and collaborative uh, the county 
Pima County Sheriff's Department and the Tucson Police Department have been pushing out a training opportunity for primarily focused on school school staff, but also open to other community members to come in. So we're, we're hosting one of those classes today from 10 to 12. Um, and uh, the other thing we're doing and something, you know, we're going to continue as uh, we move along to talk more publicly about the community things that we're doing. And we haven't been doing that intentionally um, because it's we were in a little bit of a, a reset and a rebuilding of, of, of engaging with different uh, members of our community. But today we have a Sugar Hill Coalition Shop with a Cop event, and that starts at 1030 down at 1189 West Irvington. But you're going to see more public conversations celebrating all of the work that all of the different divisions, I have four different divisions of, of dedicated uh, team members that, that serve this community. So you're going to see more social media posts. Um, and we're going to start bragging about the things that we're doing right because we so much focus on when things go wrong. And guess what, Tucson? I employ human beings. Yeah. And 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 when they're 21, their brain's going to be fully, fully developing for the next four years. So 21 years of age, nine months of training. Occasionally we're going to have outcomes that uh, that we don't want. But we're going to be transparent when those happens. But that's not going to undershadow all of the amazing work that goes on every day in this community. And, we're, and we got to be more public facing about it. And there's more good going on with these departments than there is. Oops, there's a mistake. You know what? And we all learn from our mistakes. Yeah, and I think I agree. And this, I think, largely this community knows uh, and understands that, and knows that the this department's going to be transparent when those things happen. And we're going to learn from it, and then we're going to move forward and, and continue. But, you know, that that's why it's so important to invest in relationship building so there's tolerance for mistakes. Uh, and it's not just about building relationships in the community when we're in crisis. Yeah. Right? It's so true. So true. So if you have time this morning and you want to do active shooter training, you haven't been through one, and I firmly believe there's never too much training in this arena go over to the Arizona School for Deaf and Blind. It's a 1200 West Speedway. Law Matters was supposed to be broadcasting from there this morning, but our budget didn't allow it. We're being flexible. We rolled with it. That's right. Right. And so we'll be over there uh, because we're hosting the event. We'll be over there, and we want to see everybody there. We have seats available, and it'd be it's not a mistake to get trained. It's no. There's no negative to um, educating yourself, receiving more training. It's it's a it's a it's a dis- disappointment for me. We live in a world where we have to have that type of training, but we do. Uh, again, as a so as, roll with it. Roll with it and and educate yourself. Exactly. So and that's why we're here, and we'll be holding more events. We're going to be launching a new website sometime this week. So I want everybody to check out our new website too. And we've got 30 seconds left. Words of wisdom. Yeah, I just want to close and thank Law Matters and thank you for giving us a platform, you know, and, and giving us a platform to, to tell our story, to celebrate the things that uh, are going on. Uh, I am inspired every day. I, I read resumes of the work that my that my staff's doing, and that absolutely fills my resiliency tank up to give me the energy I need to be the chief of this community. So, thank you, uh, thank thank all my staff. You do amazing work every day, and you give me. I'm proud to brag about you. Until next week, shop local, stay safe. Thank you, Chief, for coming on. Every Saturday morning at 8, Law Matters brings you law enforcement. 
On our next show, we talk with the field director of U.S. Customs and Border Protection. Hi, this is Sherry, reminding you to nominate your favorite veteran for a fabulous gift basket, chauffeured in the Veterans Day Parade, and honored on our November 12th show. All the contest details are on the lawmatters1030.org website. Law Matters podcast can be found on iTunes, Google Play, and lawmatters1030.org.